welcome everybody to uh, this episode of Text Help Talks podcast. And this is a series of podcasts from the team here at Text Help, where we're bringing a range of expert speakers, uh, experienced uh, ed techers, for want of a better phrase. And um, we're going to cover topics right the way from education through to the workplace. So please make sure you do subscribe to Text Help Talks on your favorite podcast player uh, or device on your streaming service and never miss any of these episodes. I am beyond excited uh, to be joined by a very, very special guest uh, now on the Text Up Talks podcast coming to you live from BET 2022. And that is Caroline Wright, who I think uh, definitely has the uh, the mantle of having the best job title of anybody <laughs> I've ever interviewed. Uh, Caroline is Director General of BISA. Um, BISA stands for the British Educational Suppliers Association. It is the UK's national industry association for educational products and services. And we'll explain a little bit more about that. Caroline represents BISA on a range of government and sector advisory boards, including the Department for International Trades Education Sector Advisory Group. My goodness, Caroline, that's in there. But first of all, welcome to the (laughs) Tech Help Talks podcast. Good to have you. Thank you ever so much. It's very nice to be here. Good, good. And you're you're liking our lovely booth that we've set up just for today? I like this. I like the colours, nice and blue and pinks. And the stand with all of your fab um, screens. It's just, yes, and a really nice part of the show as well. But, you, you know, the show, I think, this year, Caroline, we're going to come back to Peace in a little second, but just while you mention that, the show really has a real life to it this year. I think a lot of the suppliers that are here a lot of the teaching and learning solutions that are here, the ad tech community, all of the communities have really put a, a significant effort in to make this show the best that it's ever been. Oh my goodness. Well, it's been two years in the waiting, hasn't it? And yeah. I think just the level of excitement this week, um, waiting for it to actually happen. And I think the last two years has just shown we can't ever take anything for granted. So even though we're all packing our bags ready to come here, it was still such a huge um, elements of relief when you saw the teachers and industry queuing up to get in and when it actually opened I think we we're all just really enjoying re-engaging with tech's been amazing for keeping us connected over two years but it's nothing yeah. like seeing each other face to face it's just fantastic no absolutely and I, and I absolutely concur with that I mean obviously as a text help we're mm. very proud members of, of visa so there's the visa community then there's the social community and then there's all of the ed tech enthusiast community yeah. and in the run up the bat the community there was so strong. We were all speaking on all our individual channels, but I think we all had just a little bit of worry. We're putting all this effort in, all this excitement of seeing each other. Are people going to show up? And I was so happy to see Wednesday morning. I'm sure you were exactly the same. Yep. The queues of teachers. Yeah, yeah, queues of teachers, queues of educators, and it's been so, so, so busy. Yeah, and we're. Um, I know. Well, just that buzz was fantastic. And then actually, where the Bisa stand is, we're in the same hall as you in the North Hall. South Hall's really busy as well, but we're actually just next to the Department for International Trades um, mm. UK Pavilion and the International Showcase. And I think on our stand alone, we've just received delegations from from loads of uh, different countries. We've had visitors from France, India, uh, Lebanon, uh, Kazakhstan, Uzbekistan. Germany, we've had really, really great Poland, really good conversations just about, you know, sharing experiences and, you know, now the world's opening up, how we yeah. can get back together and collaborate. Yeah, because 
bet, I suppose, over the last few years pre-COVID was, I think, by a lot of us, was seen as a very much international show. Mm-hmm. And that added to the kind of the worry this year of will people travel. And I think we've oh, proved okay. it over the last three days that yeah. people are traveling. And that's we are all back. to see. Absolutely. You know, yeah. So maybe just on that, Caroline, because for, for a lot of our listeners and users of textile products and people who just subscribe to the podcast, they may not be aware of BC because it's very much mm-hmm. an industry organization, but it does play a pivotal role. In, a, in, in the entire education industry and for us as an ed tech company it's really really important but maybe you can give us a very kind of the snapshot overview of how BESIS supports the industry in general absolutely so yeah we're the kind of a trade association um, for education companies uh, who make manufacture and, and supply education resources so yeah, we've got a huge number here who are our EdTech members, but we also represent all the companies that make educational furniture, the science equipment, the, the special needs resources, the educational publishing materials, textbooks, all the way through to EdTech. So it's, it's amazing having that range of companies that are all trying to do good and help improve education. And that's the interesting thing I think about BISA. So we're here to help support the sector, but actually we have our values and objectives. We have two, they're sort of twofold. It's first helping our companies, our member companies, be successful by informing them of what schools need and the challenges they face so they can make products that really reflect the needs of schools. But then that leads into our secondary purpose, which is in that case, you actually help improve education overall because the quality of education obviously needs brilliant teachers uh, and school leaders but we need really high quality resources and so that's why actually I think the kind of message for your listeners in what in why BISA is relevant is we quality mark every member that's part of the BISA membership so to be a BISA member companies have to sign up to our code of practice which involves things like customer service data security integrity and ethics they have to sign up to our code of practice we also check the financial uh, viability and credibility of our members and they also have to have been trading with schools and colleges for a certain period of time so that schools can actually buy and know that they can trust those companies to be providing them the services that they need absolutely and i think there's a lot of teachers may well not be aware that they can go on the piece of website they yep. can search the member directory they can ensure that their membership is valid and yep. live and that gives them that sense of security um, and uh, and trust yeah that, that only basically really absolutely in the industry can provide there. And, and even further to that actually over the last few years we've been really conscious of so teachers are so busy sometimes it's really hard to know what to buy and how to buy it and we've all heard of you know the cupboards of shame where you know you might have bought something yeah. in the past and then just realized actually it doesn't quite fit in with what you need in a school so we've actually Actually added something as well as that supplier database um, schools can go on to our website it's a lended website where um, our members have put up case studies by other educators so you can see you know a product if you're looking for a resource you can you can click on or maybe assessment and it will come up with some ideas of, of, of any any part of education basically but it will come up with um, some case studies from teachers like you using a product in a school like yours so you can actually see what they're saying about it and then there's also an option to take out a, a free trial for a while yeah. so you can actually check that it's right for for your needs so we don't want to see anybody buying things you know that, that aren't going to be suitable for yeah. their school so as an industry we've just taken that decision and our members um, are providing kind of help and support to schools along those bases yeah just thinking about the members there and mm. thinking about the last couple of years you know, obviously it's been traumatic for all of us in so many different ways and it's affected yeah. our lives so much. 
teachers obviously embrace technology more from yeah. an ed tech perspective. They had to approach different ways of teaching and learning. Pupils, parents had to respond. I think sometimes things that may well be forgotten about outside this booth and outside this show is just how well that the ed tech sector and the education yeah. supplier sector in general really stepped up. And I know for us, BISU was a very central part of that because we had that community to sit there and go, well, what are you doing and how can we all help together? You feel as an industry and as a trade body representing that industry, like we did our bit over the oh, last few years. I've been so proud. You know, I, I, I obviously am not in one of our member companies and I've never been a teacher, but I am a parent and kind of, you know, I saw like everybody else, um, the challenges we all faced. And actually I am so incredibly proud to, to, to be able to say after speaking to the members and knowing what they did, we um, we, we um, checked and actually we've added up that our member companies provided more than twenty four million pounds of um, free support to schools and wow. colleges it just in the first three months of lockdown oh, wow. alone. I it was just with it to you. No, no, that yeah, was yeah. we just said we haven't actually done another survey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we yeah, had yeah, the whole yeah. thing, but <laughs> it was the first three months of uh, twenty twenty that from March to June that was the the amount. And that's you know we we are majority. As an industry, that's a, that's a really sizable proportion of kind of all free, and actually that makes me incredibly proud. And actually, we're you know we're talking about COVID, but just moving on to to what's happening in Ukraine. We've just less than a week ago, we asked our members. We've been working with um, a Ukrainian charity, Blue Yellow, to say, well, what can we do as an industry to support you and just tell us what's needed. And they told us some of the kinds of help and support they need. Yeah. We only put that in our newsletter last Friday. We've been inundated with companies saying, oh, here's what I can help with. Just let us know how we can help support yeah. those families. So, you know, I'm so proud that as a community, the, the, the educators, a lot of the, the people in our member companies have been educators and just want to help support yeah. Um, you know, in all kinds, whatever the challenges. So, yeah, I think as an industry, we've really stepped up. And that hasn't stopped after lockdown. We're seeing kind of companies still, schools now have new challenges. It's, well, how do you embed yeah. that technology? How do you make it work and just not forget the gains you've made? You know, what are the challenges in other parts of our membership of the kids who haven't been able to meet up and interact and kind of yeah. you know, learn some of the social skills they can? We've got our other kind of members that make hands-on resources and, and so on, really helping support schools. We've got the well-being companies. We're seeing a, you know, a mental health crisis and we've got... You know, the innovation that's here in this sector with some of the companies that are now listening to teachers, listening to children, knowing what the challenges they're facing and making really amazing services and products to help yeah. help schools who are at the sharp end yeah. of kind of, of supporting in so many more ways than just teaching a kid. It's actually kind of the whole no, wraparound services. Absolutely. And I think one of the things we have certainly noticed in tax help and of course, you know, people will know us as the accessibility company. Mm. We do a whole lot more than that that people yeah. may, may not be aware of. But we're very well known for things like read and write um, in yeah. terms of what it can do for accessibility. But what I found, um, you know, to add on to what you've said there is, there's a much wider discussion going on around how technology, but how any aspect mm. of, of, a, of a tool or service that's provided in the education is starting to really think about inclusion, starting to talk about that more. Do you think that the sector in general is, is recognizing that and things like accessibility are becoming more central part of perhaps how a tech company might design or how a furniture company might design what they do. And I know you have the ed tech, yep, um, yep. Uh, sorry, the um, special needs yep. sync, a special interest group. Um, do you see that being more part of the conversation that's ever been? It's fantastic. It is. It absolutely is. And it's, and I think 
just in any conversation now you have with with educators but and as an industry and in wider society actually i think we're much more oh, there's still huge amounts to do don't get me wrong there's yeah, still yeah. still much more that as a society we need to be doing to support um support people with additional needs in all parts of life not just yeah. education but yeah. i'm definitely seeing that and i'm definitely seeing companies wanting to wanting to do the right thing and wanting to make sure that they're more accessible that we obviously have members that absolutely like yours you know specialize yeah. in precisely that and that's fantastic and we're you know and the way i do think the uk um special needs um sector senkos and schools but also their special need companies we get approached by governments around the world all the time for advice on how to be more inclusive and actually how to help um learners with additional needs yeah. more appropriately and so we do lead the way actually and i don't say that in very many areas and i'm not just saying it flippantly because i represent companies yeah. we do we genuinely lead the way in our approach to special education needs it's not to say we don't have a funding crisis and 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 uh, you know a lack of you know, there are far too many um, learners that aren't getting their plans that they need at the moment and that's a challenge but actually the quality and dedication of the teaching staff and industry is is second to none on that front but we're also seeing more generally even our sort of generalist companies wanting to make sure that what they provide is more accessible yeah. um, and actually just it's not just on on sort of disabilities and inclusivity um, and access on that front we I'm really proud that our um, our publishers and our sort of resource manufacturers actually came together over the last year, actually in the in the light of Black Lives Matter, to say inclusivity more generally. Yeah. What do we need to do? How do we make our resources represent the real population yeah. of, of Britain yeah. and and where we serve around the world? And they've put together some principles for inclusion that could actually, you know. You, you would need to make them more specialist for some of the particular areas, but actually go for whatever you're looking at, gender, sexuality, race, um, a, a ability, um, that our members, as a, as a voluntary code of conduct that they're signing up to look at what they provide, look at how they employ more inclusively, and actually how they, they work to sort of, you know, challenge government and others on, on yeah. pushing the inclusivity agenda. So that's a piece of work that I'm really, really pleased we're doing at the moment. It's amazing to see. I, you know, this this is, you know, not necessarily an indictment of where we've been, but mm. I think it's a recognition of where we're going in terms of, I don't think we necessarily would have had that type of conversation two years ago, no, Bet. No. I think the last two years has really, yeah. really changed how we, how we view yeah. these things. On all those areas, when we talk about specifically inclusion around special education needs mm. or or challenges that an individual people will live with, but you're right, it goes much, much wider than yeah. that. And now it's to the forum we're talking about, it's great. But you know what makes me worried is, you know, we are, we're having much many more conversations about inclusivity and that's fantastic but when we talk about you know have we become more inclusive technology has an amazing ability to help us become more inclusive yeah. but it also has the ability to to you know add to the divide and that comes back to the kind of making sure kids have got access learners yeah. the you know if, if you're disadvantaged or oh frankly in a in a you know got a number of children all wanting to access devices at the same time like we saw yeah. during lockdown it's it's actually we need as a society governments governments to make sure that um there isn't a, a disadvantage that everyone's on the playing field because then actually technology can be a great leveler and can help 
hugely with inclusivity but we need to kind of I know there were various pro- projects to to put devices into schools and to make access but there are there are challenges with that you know we still have a situation where um, if a family is using data rather than uh, you know having access to Wi-Fi that's yeah. a cost the cost yeah. for their kids to access those educational yeah, yeah. websites you know there's an argument to making educational websites data free you yeah. know, and then actually it's not kind of families that might not be able to let their kids have that access that they would want. So there's a whole sort of range of things that are really easily solvable but need to be need yeah. to be looked at. Yeah. And then technology can be really inclusive. Is, is, is as part of that though, Caroline, is there a danger that you know, the two years we went through and the initiatives that were put in place for say device access that suddenly the line is drawn now, we're like, we don't need that anymore because we're back in face to face, everything's okay, and that adoption certainly from an equity yeah. of access point of view. And you think, looking forward, there will be policies put in place that can support that? Or what's your view on that? Well, do you know what really worries me, Patrick, is this week we've seen... Well, so the good news, the good news is this week government said, you know, we're making a commitment to super-fast broadband for schools by 2025. Well, yes, of course, that's yeah. good. And, you know, we want, we need to make sure that that happens, that there aren't any delays on that. But our research, we go out to thousands of schools every year across the United Kingdom and ask school leaders what are the biggest challenges facing them. They say every year, um, Wi-Fi and connectivity, teacher CPD and budgets. And when we look at budgets, despite, now there has, the government has invested more in education. There was, you know, a big injection of COVID recovery money into schools. But we mustn't let government think that's the end of it. Because actually, when I look at resource budgets that school leaders tell us they have in their schools, resource budgets in primary and secondary schools are lower now than they were in 2015 and 16. And that's even with the money being spent in there. And that is just not good enough. It's not the school's fault, but it's the fact that there are so many pressures. If you look at a school's budget, of course, first and foremost, you need brilliant teachers you need the teaching staff so yes schools are right they spend their budget you know 78 percent on on staff then there's kind of you know there's energy costs going up there's kind of keeping the boiler going there's repairing the school there's all the licenses they need that actually only leaves um on average three or four percent of a school's budget that they can spend on resources and that's the only flexibility a school really has so given all the pressures that's being squeezed and that's the kind of kind of things here we see at bet that really make a difference to a teacher's workload children's inspiration and enjoyment in the classroom and we need to make sure that schools have proper funds to be able to yeah. buy the resources they need there, you know over over the last few days of recording the podcast there's there's a couple of words kept coming up one of them was the, the need to push skills and drive skills in their pupils but the other one which was a word that was used, probably been most used is momentum and, and I think what, you know, taking on board some of the things that you've said there, we have built a great momentum in terms of the changes to teaching and learning, in terms of equity of access, in terms of inclusion we've talked about. Uh, the innovation from the sector has been fabulous. The support from all the stakeholders has been good. But it's really, really important, I think, that we keep that momentum up. Government has its role to play in that. Be do, text help do, um, and that's going to be key. And in kind of a, in a quick summary of that, what do you think we need to do to keep momentum up? Is it more of the same or is, does it come back down solely and exclusively to the policy and funding? Yeah, well, I think I think our, I think BESA members, you know, you always listen to what schools are telling you the yeah. pressures are and that's actually, we really adapt to what's needed. So I think kind of actually that 
that collab the, the momentum needs to keep going because it's been fantastic in the past few years in spite of all the challenges actually the collaboration we've seen between um, the sector and schools to help solve problems and work together has been brilliant we need to make sure I think it's keeping the pressure up on government and others to realise that actually it's not a a centralist kind of approach to telling schools what they should yeah, be doing yeah, and yeah. use this resource or use that resource or follow this kind of guidance it's actually let's trust the teachers they're the ones who saw us through the last two years yeah. by making really really difficult and challenging decisions on the ground so as an industry what do they need what can we do to help and actually government listen to your amazing educators that are out there because they know what's best yeah. for their pupils and actually let's have a little bit less of kind of um, you know some of the, the the warm words and actually kind of what do they need to help deliver on their jobs yeah and and just kind of thinking about the future as well I mean I think we we all agree that bet has been very vibrant I think it's fair enough to say that it's been a buzz it's been alive there's a lot of people here there's a lot of activity but in your view how does how does the industry look going forward is it have we got a bright future ahead of us as, as ed tech companies as uh, educational suppliers? Does it look positive going forward? I think that there's a huge innovation and internationally it's the future is bright. You yeah. know, we've just seen the delegations that are here, the interest we have in British education around the world because of its quality. So actually in terms of exporting British education to the world in a in a kind of an inclusive and building on the values and tolerance that we have as a society is is a real sort of moment to be pleased with and look forward to the future. I think it is going to be more challenging given the current government policy that's in the forthcoming white paper and we've seen the, the Department for Education's announcement of their curriculum policy recently, which is actually really potentially damaging to um, schools' innovation and creativity because the government's announced that it's introducing um, an arm's length body for curriculum content and creation and I'm really scared yeah. that we're going to end up in a system where we see you know bureaucrats at the centre of government telling schools which what they should be teaching and when yeah. and yeah. actually when you just look around these halls today you see amazing um, talented school leaders that know how to get the best from their pupils and deliver the results they need and actually the biggest challenge we face I think in the UK as a sector and in our schools curriculum um, creativity is a centralist agenda from the government that actually needs which isn't based in evidence it's actually based um, quite scarily on research they carried out in 2018 before the pandemic they haven't carried any any up-to-date research on schools across the United Kingdom even though this is going to impact schools outside of, yeah. uh, <laughs> of England in terms of what schools want and need in terms of curriculum support so that's something that BISA is um, challenging um, governments or to carry out due process and due consultation on yeah. their curriculum um, proposals. Okay, um, just coming back to uh, Beth, Caroline, and just just thinking about the show, just in terms of wrap up. The sort of some one words from you. What what's been your highlight of the show so far? Reconnecting, I think. Actually, seeing it's been challenging schools haven't been able to to invite very many guests in over the yeah. over recent months so actually seeing school leaders seeing all the amazing companies and what they've been doing kind of face to face i've seen lots of people on squares on computers which is really great because it's yeah. meant i've been able to stay in touch but i've been seeing people with legs and it's great 
and I'm really enjoying it. Kind of people, the rest of their bodies, kind of walking around and and talking. So that's been my highlight. It's, it's kind of been strange, exactly seeing that from the yeah. neck down, hasn't it? Your yeah. people should have. I'm convinced people should have got cutouts, Caroline, yeah. to walk around and just put Absolutely. the headpiece and the, the zoom yeah. tile in the top. Yeah. We've all been used to that. Um, and mugs that said, "Your mic is off." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Mute, mute was a word I think we all got used to over, over the last couple of years. Uh, but listen, um, kind of, it's been absolutely fabulous to talk to you. I wish actually we had much longer to talk to you today. Um, some fabulous insights from you. Thank you for what you do for us at Text Help and for what you do the industry in general. We're very proud to be part of anything you do and you know we always hope to contribute. But I should drop in at the end. We had a fabulous night out at the Bet Awards <laughs> and I know you play you play a central role in that. Of course, one of our products won and we're very, very proud of absolutely. that too. Um, so lovely to be right. Nice. So, Caroline, thank you. Um, I wish you a good show, even though we only have a couple of hours left of the show today. Uh, and I know our listeners would have absolutely loved what they've heard today. So, Caroline Wright, Lisa, thank you very much. Thank you very much. For anybody watching, uh, this has been a Text Help Talks podcast. Uh, Patrick McGrath, Ed Tech Strategist here at Text Help. Uh, it's been our pleasure to uh, have you with us. Uh, please do subscribe to Text Help Talks on your favorite podcast player or app. Uh, and your streaming service. We're on all of them. Uh, Grab us there and you'll be uh, greeted with plenty of uh, wonderful speakers and presenters from the Text Help team in the subsequent uh, episodes in our series. Thank you and we'll see you again soon on the next episode of Text Help Talks.